All right, if you have your Bibles, grab those. Uh, we're going to start out in uh, the book of James, uh, chapter 4. Uh, we'll start in verse 13. We're going to be a few different places this morning. Um, I know we just finished a series in the book of James, um, and so if you were here for that, uh, we're, just, we're going to touch on it for a second. I think it'll kind of help uh, set the stage for where, where we'll be and what we'll be looking at this morning. And so um, I just really felt God just kind of press on my heart uh, this week, the last couple weeks, um, just something uh, that I feel like is very, very important. Uh, something that I feel like um, he, he would want me to plead uh, to, with us about and beg us to be aware of, to be uh, more sensitive to uh, uh, something that's just, I think, is very, very important. And, and I know every week as we gather here in this place and we open up God's Word, it, it's important. But I just believe for the day that we're living in, the time that we're uh, living in, what, what He would want to say to us this morning. And so my, my hope for us is, is this, is that we'd be aware, just an awareness of the Holy Spirit working and moving uh, in this place and in our heart and what He would uh, have uh, to say uh, to us. And so this, this isn't necessarily the start of our series for the new year, but, but it'll be a great launching point uh, into it. I believe it'll be uh, just kind of set the stage for us for, for next week and the weeks to follow as, as we look at uh, just what I believe God has just laid on my heart for us to, to, to dive into and to be more focused in on as a church. And, and even how we, we walk that out, how we live uh, that out corporately as well as uh, individually. Um, but but we'll, get, we'll get to that, like I said, later on and, and starting next week. And so I'm just going to ask you if you would uh, just join me. And I just, I just want to pray again. I just want to pray and just uh, ask God to move, ask God to speak uh, to our heart this morning and just make us aware of what he wants to say to us. I'm going to ask you if you just, just join me for a moment as we pray. Father, we just, um, again, we just acknowledge, acknowledge you. We acknowledge you're working, we acknowledge you're moving. Uh, Father, my, my prayer and my hope this morning is, is, that, is that we would hear your voice. God, that, that, that we would still our heart for a moment and just, just listen intently to what you would have to say, what you would want to tell us. So Father, I just want, I just want to say you've got freedom to do whatever you need to do in this place. Through me, through us here in this moment, Father, that, that you would just, just do a work so great in the heart of your people that you're the only explanation. We need you. Help us this morning. And we pray. Amen. Amen. So, so the thought around where we're going to be this morning, or kind of just the very the direction that we'll be heading, is, is this thought around wasting, right? I mean, we're just coming off of a high from Christmas yesterday, and now we're stepping into what, what they say to be kind of the biggest letdown day of the year, um, right before we head into the new year. Uh, so coming off of Christmas, uh, a, a day removed, and, and, I, and I just want to talk for a moment just, just about, about wasting. I guess my, my and, and more, I guess, focused in on wasting, what I'm talking about is, is our life. Uh, my plea for you this morning, my, my, my begging and urging of you, me this morning, is, is not to waste our life. Not to waste our life. I, I was doing some research this week, and, and as you know, there's 24 hours in a day, right? That's just simple math. It's, it's always going to be like 24 hours in a day, which would lead us to 168 hours in a week, which is around 720 hours in a month, which would give you 8,760 hours in a year. That's all you get in a year, 8,760 hours. So if you've lived to the age of 15, you have exhausted 131,400 hours in your life if you're 15 years old. If, if you're 20, uh, that's roughly 175,000 hours that you have uh, been alive. 30 years old, it's 260. 
3,000 hours that you have been given uh, to use and do. If you're 40 or above, uh, 350,000 hours roughly that you've been able to live. If you're 50 years, that's 438,000 hours. 438,000 hours. 60 years old, uh, 525,000 hours that you have lived. 70 is going to give you 613,000 hours. And if you are 80, 700,000 hours that you've got to live. That seems like a lot of hours. But I believe that the scriptures would argue otherwise. I believe that the scriptures would show us and, and, and talk to us and let us know otherwise. And, and the thing about time, the thing about those hours is, is, is that you always want more. And time is not something that, that you get extra of because we're all allotted a certain time, are we not? I mean, that's what we see throughout the scriptures. That's what, that's what, it, what it alludes to and lets us know that we only have a certain amount of time. Every one of us. And we, and we, can't, we can't finagle that. We can't uh, uh, exhaust that a little bit more. We can't, we can't barter to get more. And so that's what brings us to James 4.13, as we looked at a few months ago, where James says, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Verse 14 is, is really where I just want to remind us of this, this truth of how precious and fleeting life is. He says, Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. No, none of us. We don't have a clue what tomorrow holds. We don't, I, I would even argue that we don't even have a clue of what, what, what an hour from now holds. I mean, we've got plans and we've got things that we think that we're going to do and we're going to, we're going to get, get done and happen, but we, we don't have a clue. And then he says this, what, what is your life? He says, for you are a mist that appears for a little time and then you vanish. A mist. And, and I don't know if you remember a few months ago that, that I had a squirt bottle. I just squirted and we would count and, it, and, and we could almost get to four seconds with the squirt bottle. Like, like we're not even a fog on a field that lasts for a few hours. We're, we're, we're just a mist, a very, very fine mist that only lasts for such a short period of time. And so we only get a few hours. And then we vanish and we're no more. And I don't know about you, but, but I don't, I don't want to just be. Like, I don't want to just be in those hours. The, those hours that I've got, that time that I've, that I've had. I don't want to just be be in those hours and not be intentional or not be focused or not be doing what I need to be doing. I, and even in my, even in my wasted hours, I, I want to be very intentional with my, the, the wasting of my hours or the, uh, the disconnected hours, maybe, I would say. More, more research as I was reading and looking, come across a couple articles that, that, that said this. It says that, that, that our daily phone screen time, daily, anywhere from three hours, 15 minutes to three hours and 45 minutes. That, that we'll spend on the phone. I, I don't know about you, but like I'll be watching a TV show and scrolling. I mean, how crazy is that? Like it'll be movie night, and I'll be over on the couch movie night, and it with with like checking things, like doing stuff, and like and watching a movie. And if you know, like I'm not a multitasker. Like I am not. I can't do that. I'm not good at that at all. But I'm going at it. And I just thought three hours and 45 minutes on a screen. In a week, we spend almost one full day, 24-hour period on our phone, aimlessly wandering, aimlessly scrolling. Mean, is that not crazy? I mean, is, is that not nuts? I mean, think about what we spend that time on on that, on that screen. Because I would be willing to bet, I would be willing to, to argue that it's probably not good God-honoring time that we're using there. Maybe a minute or two. Maybe you do a little devotion or you like journal on your phone or you write on whatever you do. I'll give you some time, but, but, but I would be willing to bet that, 
that there's very little of it used intentionally for the purpose of bringing glory and honor to God. And, and I just believe that's why we're seeing these highs, these extremely high highs of depression and anxiety like we've never seen before. Because we're berating like, like 10 seconds of like just good time. And projecting a persona that's not really true and real. To try to impress people that we don't really like or care about. It's just the truth. And we eat that stuff. Oh my gosh, babe, look at what they did. Ah. Oh. Don't they have the best life ever? My word. Ah, oh, look at what their kids got for Christmas. Holy cow. We're awful parents. Next year, Santa is coming with a bang. I mean, it's like, is it not crazy? Like, like the comparison stuff that we do? But, but 24 hours, one day a week, almost wasted. Which brings us to 52 days a year spent looking at our phone with little to no benefit in the bigger scheme of things. I call this the awkward pause to kind of like let it sink in for a moment. Yeah, just, just let that hit you for a second. Almost 52 days a year. 52 days a year. I mean, we, we, like, we, wait, like, we waste, don't we? Like, like we can wait, like we can waste on some things. Like food, money. We just came out of Christmas. Like, I, I waste wrapping paper because I am just like, my wife is like the nice, neat, corners pressed. I mean, bow. I mean, it's got to be per. And I'm just like, let's just wrap that sucker and go. We got stuff. This is a waste of time. You know, like, like, the Lord would not be happy with us spending six hours wrapping one present. But, but I mean, but we just waste and waste and waste. And so my hope this morning, my hope this morning is, this, is to make us aware of that. And then in that, allow the Holy Spirit to move in and do a work to, to encourage, convict, and draw us that we would repent over our sin of wasting. And, and then in that, that we would walk and we'd be more intentional. Because, I mean, it's, it's, it's fine to be where you're at. Just don't be satisfied and settled with where you're at. Let's ask Him to do a work. Let's ask Him to help us be more focused. Let's ask Him to help us to be uh, more uh, tuned in, dialed in. So, so the first thing, if you've got your Bible, flip on over to 1 Corinthians 6. 1 Corinthians 6 is where we'll, we'll, we'll start out, and I want to kind of uh, uh, lay some foundation, and then after that foundation, we'll move into, I, th I think, some ways that we can kind of do better of, of not wasting, which will be a great just kind of catapult into to next week. But, um, but the first thing I want to point out is this, is that we're not our own. Like, we, we don't, we're not our own. And so to waste that is, is, is very, very dangerous. And so what we have here in Corinthians, Paul, uh, in this specific uh, chapter here, is writing to the church there at Corinth. And, and he's talking about sexual immorality, but I believe that we can, we can draw from this. I believe that we can look at this and, and draw for, from it, because I believe this is definitely a truth that we see uh, woven throughout the Scriptures, especially for those who belong to Jesus. And so 1 Corinthians six nineteen, he says this. He says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? Like temple is the place where God would reside, where his spirit would be. And so Paul links the reality to us as born-again men and women that, that that's where the Holy Spirit is, that he, he resides in us. We are a temple. We, we are the dwelling place. We are indwelt people. And I know uh, we're in a Baptist church, and so when we start to talk about the Holy Spirit, we get a little wigged out. And then if you call him the Holy Ghost, it really takes it up a few notches. But like, like, that's my background. That's where I came from, you know? Like, like we had the Holy Ghost where I was from, and, I, and we loved it. But the, but the good, we get kind of like scared about that, and I think it's because we don't have a right and good understanding of who the Holy Spirit is. 
We think of the Holy Spirit as that crazy uncle who came to Christmas yesterday. But like, like, do we invite him? Do we not? And like, the kids are in the background praying that Uncle So-and-so gets to come. Because it gets fun when Uncle gets here. Because you just don't know what you're going to get. You just don't know what he's going to do. Will he, will he take it up a notch compared to last year? Or will he, uh, what, what, what will happen? What will he say? Because he says things that's like usually not, it's kind of borderline. And I think that's the way that we see or the way that we think about the Holy Spirit. But I'm, but I'm here to tell you, church, that's the furthest from the truth. That's the furthest from the truth. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is God, and He will never act or do in a way that's contrary to God's revealed nature and character in the Scriptures. I'm afraid we just don't know and understand who He is. And so as a result of that, we get scared and, and freaked out and wigged out about Him. But He's not just a mere force. He's not just a thing. He is a person. He is God. So, so what we know about the Holy Spirit is this, is that He can be lied to. He can be resisted. The Holy Spirit can be grieved. The Holy Spirit can be blasphemed. He can, uh, the Holy Spirit comforts us. He guides us is what the Scripture teaches. He transforms us into the image of Christ. He empowers the everyday Christian life. He appoints leaders in the church. He can affirms God's word with miraculous gifts. We see that in the Scriptures in Hebrews. He sanctifies our imperfect efforts. He, he knits us together as a fellowship. He fills us with his praises. He gives us boldness for ministry. He communicates the Father's love to us. He does a number of things in our life. He convicts, he draws, and he awakens us to our need for, for salvation. In him we're sealed, we're kept, and we're secured by God until the end is what Ephesians teaches. And so we believe that just through the Holy Spirit, God is alive and he's at work in, in this world and in our lives. That's who the Holy Spirit, he's in, we're indwelt people. He lives in us. He's not to be avoided or, or to feel uneasy about. He's to be welcomed in. He's to be uh, uh, asked to invade this place. That we should so desire a move of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit's God. Uh, the Holy Spirit's not something to be uneasy about, something to be afraid of. But to be welcomed in. I don't know about you, but for me, every week I beg for him. I beg for him to invade this place. Before I get here in the car, when I pray, before we come out, on the stage you will hear me over and over and over plead for the Holy Spirit to fall heavy on this place. To do a work. To fall heavy on me. Invade me. Use me. Let, let me be an instrument controlled by. I mean, I so desperately need him to work and move and do. So the Holy Spirit is an unseen person that prompts, protects, and provides for those who are in Christ. He prompts, He protects, He provides. He does a work. He's an almighty, invisible Spirit, powerfully bringing the eternal purposes of God and His Son to be in our world so that people can see and marvel at how great God is. Anything that you think you can do is because the Holy Spirit has led you and has worked and has done in your life. And that's who resides in us as believers. Not someone to be afraid of, but someone to be welcomed into. Someone to be filled by. So Paul goes on, he says, your body's a temple, that's where the Holy Spirit resides within you, for whom you have from God. He says, for you are not your own. So if you don't belong to who, you, who do you belong to? Who do you belong to? I mean, have you ever seen yourself like that? Have you ever thought of it in that way? Like when you buy something, that's something that you buy belongs to you now, right? It's you, you're the owner of. And so the argument that Paul is making is that you don't belong to you as a born-again believer. The Holy Spirit residing in you. That you are not yours. 
that you belong to God, that he has the right to move into his lordship salvation. He's the Lord of your life, not just Savior. So often the church wants a Savior, but no Lord. And it doesn't, it doesn't work like that. We don't get that. No, no, you get him as Savior, you get him as Lord, meaning he has the right to say and do whatever he wants in your life to lead you, direct you, to move you, and to do a work in you. You have no say. You don't belong to yourself is what is his argument here to the, to the believers at Corinth. Well, because we're indwelt, we're not our own. Nothing we have, nothing is ours. Which leads me to this thought. Let's talk for a second. So when somebody does something to you, who are they really doing it to? Because you're not your own. They're doing it to the Lord. They're, they're doing, it, doing it to the Lord. Why? Because you, you, are, you are owned property. You belong to. So when someone says something, when someone acts a certain way towards you, when someone slights you, slanders, whatever the word you want to use, they're not, they're not doing it to you. They may think they are, but they're doing it, they're doing it to dad. That's who they're doing it to. As bought, purchased people, as adopted children of God. I mean, think about that for a moment. I, I don't know about you, and I, and I still struggle in that realm sometimes. I mean, I can, get, I can get offended easier, I can get upset, or I can get all up in arms real quick. And I have to go back to places like this and be reminded that, no, I'm not mine. That, that I belong to the Lord. That whenever somebody does something to me, they don't do it to me, they do it to the Lord. I mean, man, what great encouragement that can bring. But then think about it on the other side. When you do something to somebody... When, when we act in a certain way towards someone else as a born-again saint and dwelt by the Holy Spirit, we're either walking in obedience or disobedience. We're either acting in a way that's going to glorify God or we're going to act in a way that's going to quench the Spirit and grieve God's heart. Because we're not ours. We're to be controlled and moved by God. So you do it to God, not just yourself. I mean, I think if we would look through those lenses and land at that place and be reminded of that reality, man, how different we would act in the things that we would say and the things that we would do. That you're not yours. You've been wooed, drawn, pursued, and purchased by God Almighty, and you, you are wanted and desired for something far greater than anything you can do, think of, or dream up, or do on your own. It's the working of the Holy Spirit. And so I just want to let you know for a moment how dangerous you truly are. Church, how dangerous we are. In a world like today, in a day like today, indwelt by the Holy Spirit, having access to the power of God Almighty in us, the things that we can do, the way that we can live, the things that can happen as a result of God in us, working, doing through us. Man, church, we, we, we are a force to be reckoned with is what we are. I mean, in how we live defeated, beat up lives. How, how, we, how we live dejected, how we live wore out. And, and I'm not saying that there aren't seasons of that. I mean, if you've walked with the Lord at all, you're going to feel that and you're going to walk in that from time to time. You're going to feel beat up and wore out and tired. But man, if we would just tap into, if we'd just be reminded of, if we would just walk in the power that we have access to, God Almighty himself living and dwelling us. He goes on and says this in verse 20. He says, for, for you were bought with a price. Man, don't forget that. Don't you ever forget that. Don't, don't you ever forget the fact that you were bought with a price. What was paid for you, what was paid for me. Man, that price, that great price, because we live in a day and age where, where self-value and worth is on the decline. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't see ourselves rightly. 
and make more out of ourselves than we need to. That, that's, that's not what I'm saying here. But we, we live in a day where there's, there's very little self-worth, very little value. But, but hear me, as a, as a born-again believer, don't buy into that junk. No, you, you know who bought you? And now, the price tag, the price tag on you wasn't expensive, but the one that paid it all, give the utmost amount. Don't, don't, for, don't forget that, that there is purpose, great, great purpose in you. You're bought with a price. So if you ever feel worthless or have no purpose, remember that God paid that price for something that has absolutely no value outside of himself. That's what he gave. No value outside of him. See, that's what's so beautiful about grace, unmerited favor. He looks and there's nothing in us that merits anything. And it's just his goodness, his faithfulness, his grace, his mercy, his love that pours it out upon us. Paul's going to do is he's going to let us know why the purpose behind this, why, why he would do this, why he would pay the price that he paid, why he would come after and rescue and redeem. Verse 20 goes on and says, so, so glorify God's body. In all that we do, we're to glorify him, we're to bring him glory and, and honor and praise. That's, that's the reason why he, he purchases us. That's why he buys us. Why? So we would glorify him and make much of him. See, glory here it bears with it this idea of greatness of splendor. Of splendor. See, in the New Testament, word is translated glory, it means dignity, honor, praise, worship. That, that we would bring him glory in our body, the way that we live, the things that we say, what we do. That we would lift high and make much of. And so what happens is when we put the two of these thoughts together, these two words together, we find that glorifying God means acknowledging his greatness. Acknowledging his greatness and giving him honor and praise by worshiping him. By reflecting back to him how much we value him, how much we long for him, how much we want him, how much we need him. And so what I want to do is I want to spend the rest of our time together this morning just helping us see how not to waste our life. I wanted to remind us that we've been purchased, that we've been bought, that we don't belong to us, but we belong to him, that we are indwelt by his presence, his person, and the Holy Spirit. And so we have the power to do it. We have the power not to waste our life if we would just tap into it, if we would just ask Him, if we would just rely on Him, if we would just seek Him with everything in us. And so four, four ways not to waste our life, four ways. The, the first one is, is this, is focus. Is, we, we've got to focus lives. I don't know about you, but I know me. Like, like we are far too easily distracted, are we not? I mean, far too easily distracted. I mean... Y'all want to know if God's real or not? The fact that I can stand up here and get through a sermon, yeah, is a work of the Lord. You know what I'm saying? I mean, if you know that. I'm like, whoa, flashy, whoa. Did you hear that? What's God? I don't know. I'm, like, I'm just, I'm everywhere. Like, it is to stay focused for, for almost 30 to 40 minutes of a sermon is just a work of God. But we have to fight. We have to fight. We've got to do everything that we can to stay focused. 2 Timothy 2.4. 2 Timothy 2.4 says this. He says, no soldier gets entangled. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlists him. Why? Because he's focused. See, being focused requires us to have marching orders ever before us and a plan in place. That's what we're going to look so intently at over the next six to eight weeks. What that plan is going to be. The marching orders in front of us. Corporately as the body of Christ here at New Life. And then also individually. 
what that means for you personally, what that means for us corporately as, as the body as we gather here. But we, we, we've got to have those orders before us. And those orders that are before us, we, we need to be constantly looking at. We need to be constantly revisiting. That's why it's so important to be in the Word of God. Because all throughout the Word of God, it's woven through there. The purpose and the heart of God for His people, for His church, what we're to be about, what we're to do. How we're to live, so we can glorify Him in our body, like He says in Corinthians. He gives us all of those things, but we've got to keep the plans in front of us, the marching orders in front of us. So, so what I know is this, is that God's will for me right now is to focus on completing the order of the day. What has he given me for today? What has he called me to today? And one of the hardest things that I've learned and am learning and still trying to walk in is that, is that may mean temporarily neglecting something else. Something that may be viewed as important for someone else, but maybe not a priority at the moment. That's so difficult. A focused person must learn to be neglectful in a good way, in a right way, because in neglecting something else, we're honoring the one who's called us to be and do. And so we have to learn that. We have to walk in that, because there's a lot of demands and temptations in our world, is there not? There is a lot of room to waste a lot of time. We've already established that we can do it for three hours and 45 minutes without even blinking. I mean, I can get like three episodes in and not even know what just happened. I mean, I can watch a whole movie and not even be aware of. I mean, I can have a conversation with people while doing it and not have a clue of what I just agreed to, what I signed up for, what I promised, the input that I've given. I mean, we're so easily distracted. And I think one of those reasons is because we haven't developed a plan. We, we haven't developed a plan. Or we haven't visited it enough to, to know what God would say the plan is. That we're not aware enough. We're not in his word. We're not entrenched in it. We're, we're so, so drawn by everything else and we lose focus in those few moments. And so how I try to prioritize my focus. And sometimes I'm good and sometimes I'm really not good. But, but how I try to do it personally is this, is, is God first. Is, is walking with the Lord first. That, that, that needs to be my main priority, main focus. The greatest love of my life is not my wife, my kids, my stuff. The greatest love of my life is my Savior. And so the greatest priority, the greatest focus in my life should be that of God. It, it should be so in tune with God and the Lord that, that, that I'm walking and I'm aware of. And then, and then what happens is it flows naturally from that is the second greatest priority of my life is, is my wife. It, it, I've got three great kids, and I love them to death, but the, but the greatest, greatest focus is the Lord, and then my wife, and then after that flows out of that is my kids. And then from there comes the church. And so I want to walk and align myself in such a way. I want to walk and do in such a way that that's, that that's the marching orders. And all of it's going to be wrapped up into what we're going to talk about next week as it pertains to discipleship. As it pertains to being intentional and walking with and, and pouring out and raising up and doing. But, but that, that's, that's my focus. Doing everything that God would say and call for me to do. Being how God would call and ask for me to be. In a way that glorifies Him, that points people to Him, that makes much, much, much of Him. I think the second way that we don't lose focus or the way that we don't waste our life is this, is that we need to live with urgency. Flip over to Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5.15 is that we need to live with urgency. Like my, my middle guy, Bennett, love his heart. Good gosh, he is like a papaw at the age of six. I mean, that kid does not get in a hurry for nothing. I, I mean, nothing. I mean, we can get up 
two hours early and we're still going to be 15 to 20 minutes late. And he's one of the Miller boys that don't even fix his hair. You just comb that junk and go. Throw clothes on and go. That's all you do. But he is going to forget 15 things. And his speed from a 1 to a 10 is, he, he, like, he gets going fast at a 2.5. I mean, I am just like, dude, there is no urgency in him. None. And I believe that's what's happened with us as the church. Is that, is that we've got in a coasting mode. This is, this is what Paul says to the believers there at Ephesus in 5.15. He says, look, look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. What? Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. And so Paul, I think Paul, just like James, as we've looked at, he realizes and understands that the time's limited. I mean, he knows that. He gets that. He sees that. And so the context of this scripture tells us that, that Paul likely has holiness in mind. Living, living a holy life. That we shouldn't waste time on sin or things that doesn't bring glory and honor to God. That would drag us away. That would, uh, that would cause us to stumble and, and be entrenched in that. And so the best use of our time is to be filled with what? The Spirit. Bearing much fruit is what it says over in Galatians. Not to be entangled in sin or, or, or drugged down by sin. And so we need to feel the urgency of such a short time on earth. We need to feel that. That's why I wanted to read. That's not a lot of hours that I read earlier. 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years. That's not a lot of hours. Not a lot of hours. But we don't know when the last one will click over and it'll be it for us. So there needs to be an urgency. There needs to be a nowness in our life. How we live, how we do, what we say, how, what, we, just what we do. See, that's why I believe it's so imperative of us to be on mission with. To, to be focused and on mission with Christ. With what he's called his church to be. What he's called his people to be. I just feel like it's so important. And we, we need to feel that. We need to feel that. And I think from time to time we do because like little things will come down or little things will happen and we'll get like, like the church will get all amped up about certain things and we'll get kind of crazy for a moment and then it kind of settles and we lose the urgency of the moment. The, the court will rule on something and then we'll kind of jump into it and be like we'll get all amped up and we're ready to fight in that moment and then we kind of like just settle down a little bit. Or, or something will happen on the news and we'll see that. Or something will happen in the school systems and we'll see that. Or something will happen uh, uh, just in our community and we'll see that. And we'll get all kind of amped up and ready to go. And we'll, and we'll get real fiery for a moment. And we just kind of fizzle out. We feel the urgency in that moment. And then it just fizzles out so quickly, doesn't it? But what, what would it be like if we lived our life fired up like that all the time? And then the few people that we see do that, we label them as like, like, like they, they crazy radical folk, yo. Like, 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 they're, like, they're, like, they need to turn it down a few notches. What if the problem is that we just need to turn it up a few notches? They don't need to turn it down. We need to match. We need to get going. We need to feel the urgency of the day. Church, we were created for today. We were created for this moment. Every generation before us, it was just as crazy. We're just now being made aware of it. Why? Because it's our time. It's our day. It's our opportunity. We get to play a role and be a part of the day-to-day. Man, there should be urgency. We get to share and be a part of 2022 coming up. You think 2020 was crazy? Who knows what 2022's got? 2021, we kind of like trying to figure out and navigate a little bit. We don't know what's coming down the pike in 2022. I can remember standing here, standing here two years ago almost, pleading with us. 
This is our year. 2020, the perfect 2020 is perfect. That's the kind of vision you want. 2020, and I can remember having this like little, like amp you up, like let's get excited, let's do this thing. And then what happens? Three months in, man, and we, we've hit rock bottom. And we shut down and we quit and we wallow a little bit and we try to figure out. Oh, and by the way, did you know there was this election thing coming up too? And that gets all crazy and goofy. And then all these movements and all this stuff that happened, and we just, we, just, we just don't know what to do. And feel the urgency of that and move into those spaces with the heart of God. Live like he would live. Don't let there be something crazy come down the pike or down, down the line and then we get all amped up and fired up. But let's just be fired up all the time. Let's just, be, let's just be crazy on fire people for the Lord in a way that honors God. So we've got to live with mission. We've got to focus and live in such a way as those things that are most important, those things that bring the utmost glory and honor to God, that's what we live out. That's what we seek. That's what we pursue. Christ in all things. And I think it's time for us as the church to turn it up a little bit, to be radical if you want to call it radical, to be crazy. When I say crazy, it's, it's an orderly crazy type stuff. You know what I'm saying? It's like, like we don't just like do crazy crazy. I mean, it's, we're going to be perceived as crazy because the world is dark and doesn't know any better. So, so we're going to be looked at as goofy. We're going to be looked at as foolish. We're going to be looked at as, as just, just nutso people. But we live nutso lives in, that of, in the power and, uh, and the reality of who Christ is and what he's done in us. And yes, we've got standards and we've got expectations to which this world has none and it changes frequently, does it not? I mean, my gosh, what's legal and not legal? What's okay and what's not okay? I mean, I mean if we follow the day of the culture, we, we will go nuts. Like, did you know, like, back in the 80s, spandex was cool and okay? I mean, I was an 80s kid. Like, like that was the era that I grew up in somewhat early on. And spandex, I mean, spandex is never good and Okay. Never. I, I don't know what we think. So don't follow the way of this world or the day and the age that we live in, the culture. Follow that of Christ and what he has said. Well, because he's not, he's not changing. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He, he doesn't change. Oh, it is 2022. Holy Spirit, come here. We've we got to rewrite a little bit. Of no, there's none of that. It's the same. He's the same God. He knew what it would be like. And he didn't have to put little additions in have to put little asterisks beside. He knew what the day would hold. And he knew that if we would live a certain way, if we would be a certain way, that he would be able to work and do in our life and make an impact for him. So we need to have urgency. We need to feel the weight of this moment that we've been created for. And we need to step into and we need to live out with, with radical abandonment for that of Christ. The third thing that I would say is this, is that we need to be careful. What I mean by careful is this. Verse 15 there, Ephesians 5, he says this, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but wise. So where we need to be careful is that we walk, we want to be wise, not unwise. And the reality is this doesn't come natural for us. This is not a natural inclination in us to do and to be like this. So, so most of us have this natural inclination to just kind of coast. Maybe do a little bit and then just kind of coast. To, to just fall into familiar ruts that, 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 that of what we think and what we do. That, that's kind of where we land. That's where we're at. Let me try to prove it for a second. You're looking at me like I'm crazy, but let me just let me try to prove it. Um, I, I don't know if you try to read the Bible every year, or you got, kind of get on the app and do that thing and sign up for it, and, and like, like you, 
you're probably going to start now to get through. So you can kind of be ahead because, you know, there'll be some of those days where it just happens and life gets crazy. I get that, yeah. So go ahead and get ahead a little bit. But, but what happens around February, March? Leviticus. Numbers. And, and then the tendency is like, okay, well, we'll just, let's go to Psalms. Psalms is always a good place to land. Or maybe New Testament will jump kind of there. And it's like, like, these, like we know, like we get fired up and, and we go, but then it's so easy to kind of just drift back. I'm like, well, shucks, I'm 35, seven days behind now, and I just, just <sighs> next year. 2023 is the year to read through. We'll get it then. Or, or, or I mean, there's just so many, so many examples that I could give there of how we just drift back into. And so we have this sinful defective habit when it comes to certain situations and, and, and relational dynamics we just kind of drift back into. And so we have to, we have to fight hard. We have to fight hard. And, and the, the thing is, we may not, you may not even notice it. You may not be aware of it. It may be a blind for you. And I think what's heartbreaking for me is that, that most will not put the mental, emotional, and spiritual energy into to walking as one with wisdom. As he says there, look carefully how you walk. Be aware of how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. We just won't put the work in. And the sad reality is that most of us don't walk as wise men and women. I, I know for me, like I said, that's a nature, a natural bent of mine. Being that careful, being like that. But, but I think for me, it's, I've been around enough to see the consequences of a, a life not lived wisely. Of a walk not walked in a wise way. That's why, for me, I, I want to have accountability in my life. I want to have people around me that's going to tell me the truth, that's going to notice little, little things or tendencies in me that maybe doesn't, doesn't line up with or maybe doesn't uh, uh, follow through with the way that I need to as a way that it is wise and, and brings honor and glory to the Lord. I want, I want to have that accountability. I want to have people who care for me. Like, like, who do you have in your life like that? That's got free reign to call you on something. It's like, oh... You, you did what? Like, like, I've had this a lot in my life over the last few months. I mean, life's just been crazy for me. Just some of the play, like, where I've been in my heart, where I've been in my mind, where I've just, there's a lot of, you know, it's, I mean, it's just been a heavy, heavy year. Especially the last few months. It's a heavy, heavy year for me. And, and there's been ways that I've wanted to respond, and I did respond in ways that, that aren't good and right and holy. And I've been called on it, and I've repented, and I've ran back to the Lord, and I've told him that I'm sorry to change my heart, help me. And, and, and there's been times where I've walked wise, and I've, I've mentioned it to those people in my life. I mean, really, I, this is what I want to do. Knowing good and well that they're going to say, nah, you can't do that. Tell me, and then let's pray and move on from this. I know those tendencies there, so I want to, I want to walk as a wise man. I want to have that system around me set up so I, I can live this way and be this way. And what I know is this, is that that doesn't come natural. What comes natural is finding that crew that will pat you on the butt and encourage you to be as dumb and crazy and as sinful and wicked and far gone as you want to be because you deserve it. You're, they said, what? They did what? Oh. I'm thinking like tonight we go crazy on their car. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. Let's egg it. Egg what? Who cares? Let's just egg it. Or let's, yeah, oh yeah, you need to hit send. Yeah, let's post that junk. That's good. Oh, that's, no. 
I need people in my life that's going to tell me the truth about me. That's going to tell me the truth. Of, that's my tendency in my bed. That's not wise. That's not walking in a wise manner. That's walking in an unwise manner. So I've got to be, I've got to be cautious. I have to do the difficult work of fighting with everything in me to abandon the foolishness and the carelessness. Which brings me to the fourth point is this. We've got to persevere. We've got to pers- persevere. The scriptures doesn't necessarily say it that way of perseverance, but I believe it implies it here uh, with the word of time here in Ephesians 5. With, with the word of time, I think it implies that. It says it's in Ephesians 5.16. It says, um, make the best use of your time. Why? Because the days are evil. And so the days being evil here just describes an, an age in which they are, where, where they're living, where they're at, which is right and good like the one we're living in. And so every one of the days that we live in as a Christian here on earth, taken by death or God comes and gets us with battling evil. It's fighting and engaging in warfare. Paul makes that clear in Ephesians 6, does he not? So the dangers of falling into sin is it's real and it's present. It's there. And we persevere. We work through and past that. We, we've got to know that we have an enemy that's always gunning for us. They can't stand it. not want to see us succeed. does not want to see the church rise. So there's going to be days that we win and we knock it out of the park, and there's going to be days that we just get beat up and wore out. But we have to remember that we're in process. We're in process. And if we fall, we've got to allow the Holy Spirit to, to, to convict and draw us back and, and pick us up. And so, so we've got a 17-month-old at the house right now who, who is starting to walk, y'all. Like he is like, and I've been through this twice, but it's just different with this. I don't know if it's a third kid thing, but this, like, this cat's into everything. I mean, every, I mean, he, like, 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 there, like there, there's a normal cross speed, and then there's, like, 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 bishop warp speed. And he will put that head down, and he will just go. And thank the Lord we've had 17 months of him not realizing how much quicker he can be if he can walk. Even though we try to coax it and get him to do it. And so he's kind of started to dabble in that a little bit. He started to dabble in this walking stuff, and so he, so, so, so we'll get him up and, um, kind of do this thing, like you'll notice them cruising, they kind of hold on to stuff and kind of like try to take some steps and get around a little bit, but it's still not very, very quick, and, and then from there they kind of get brave, these little things, they get brave, they do, and they start to let go, and they start to kind of walk, 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 fall, like, like he, he was up just, just like a week and a half ago, he was up to about three to four steps and then plump, down he goes. He's made it up to about 12 to 15 steps, and then plump, there, and, and he walks like his knees don't bend, so he's kind of like, uh, you know, it's, it's just, it's crazy. And so, like, I'm kind of excited and giddy about it. And Mary's like, Scott, stop it. Push him down. Make him crawl. But, but, man, what, but, but the crazy thing is, like, she had her camera out. She was, she, come here, baby. Come on, mama. And, like, she's doing that thing. And we're, like, enticing him with, like, a, uh, like a Snickers or something. And we don't give our kids Snickers at 17 months. That's horrible parenting. Unless you do. And if you do, hit me up later. We'll talk. Um, but, like, you're enticing him with something while filming him and trying to get him to, and then he does, and she celebrates, and she pushes him down. I'm like, okay, no more. But I tell you that story to, to, to say this. Like, as parents, you don't even realize they fail, do you? You just celebrate the fact that they walked, that they did it. Man, man, my baby just persevered, and you know what? He, he got back up, and he tried it again. And when I read this, and when I think of this, that, that's us with God. I mean, I think he gets stoked. Like, I mean, Holy Spirit, did you, like, they, took, they took two steps. 
But they're 40, they should be. But they took two steps, let's focus. I mean, they celebrate the fact that we're walking church, that, that you're taking steps, that you're moving, that you're doing. And then you fall, you know what? You allow the Holy Spirit to pick you up, dust you off, do a work in your heart to help you take three, four, five, 13, 15. You, you may be down the road and realize that you just took 15 steps before you fell this time. That's perseverance. We've, we've got to persevere. We know that we live in a day and age that's dark. We know that we live in a day and age that's wicked and sinful and wants to drag us down and beat us up and wants us to waste our time on things that are unimportant and don't matter and don't carry a weight to it. But Paul says in Hebrews 3.13 that every day, as long as it's called today, that none of us may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So what we need to do is we need to run to God, let him correct, discipline, and encourage, pick us up, dust us off, but we need to keep walking. We need to persevere and keep walking because when we do that, don't waste. Don't sit in the corner and sulk. You blew it last night. You messed up this week. You, you failed miserably. Run to the Lord. Let Him do work on your heart and get up and walk again. Don't sit there and sulk in the corner over that. Persevere. Why? Because there's a day and an age that's wicked and is in desperate need of seeing the saints of God be the saints of God and living it out and not wasting our time on that stuff but allowing the Holy Spirit to do a work in us. So, so maybe it's a couple days of stumbling steps, but the more you walk and pursue, the more steps that will come. The easier it will get. Not easy, but the easier it will get. To one day, you're in the middle of something, and you get through it, and you turn around and you look, man, why, how could I have responded and lived like that? Well, it's because I walked the, the previous 15 steps. And through that, God was sanctifying, was working and doing in my life to prepare me for that day. And man, I walked right through it like a champ for the Lord. With his help, with his perseverance, with his working in me. So those are four ways that we don't waste our life. Those are four ways that we can press in. And then next week, what we're going to do is the band comes back up to lead us. Next week, what we're going to do is we're going to dive in and we're going to spend six to eight weeks looking intently and hard how to really, really live this out and do this. How to live our, how to live our life in such a way that it's not wasted. To, to give us practical workings and doings throughout the scriptures. So churches, hear me. All diligence is hard work. But Christian diligence goes beyond hard work to a spirit-empowered cultivating of a discerning focus, sense of urgency, vigilant carefulness, and faithful perseverance. And as Christians know that without God's help, we'll never be able to do it. Never be able to do it. So what we do is we pray. Whatever it takes, Lord. Whatever you got to do, increase my resolve to do your will with all diligence. And help me not waste my life. Help me not waste my life. Help me be so focused. Help me to be so careful. And help me persevere in such a way, man, that gets the notice of this world. That my neighbors see something different in me. That my employees that I work with, my, uh, my, my co-workers see something different in me. I mean, the parents that I hang with see something so different in me that points to the renown of our God. So may that be the prayer of our heart as we step off into the new year and we start to look at what God would do with his church here at New Life corporately and what God would do with you individually, personally. Father, help us this morning to hear from you.
Help us, Father, to walk with a, a resolve like none other. Oh, God, help us to persevere. Help us to be patient. And I feel this urgency and to be, to be careful and to be reminded, God, that we belong to you, that we've been bought with a price. And, Father, when you buy something and you get something, you've got great purpose for that something. And, Lord, may we not waste what we've been given. Help us. And we pray. Amen. 